What's going on, everybody? Happy New Year. Happy 2022. I hope everybody's New Year is going well. Up in Flames is back. First episode of the New Year. I know I'm kind of late. Had a lot of things going. Was getting draft capital, NFL, you know, up and started. We've done two episodes there. A lot of great work over there with draft capital. But today we're talking NBA. We back here live on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Shout out to everybody over there at Dash Radio that's giving us that off the ball. Mondays, if you're tuning in, listening on Monday, I appreciate you. If you're listening live, uh, this is a pre-recorded show on a Friday. Um, so some things could shake up on the weekend on some opinions. We don't know. We've seen the trade with Cam Reddish. A bunch of things. But I also got a special guest. I got my guy. If I'm not mistaken, he's making his debut on Up in Flames. Definitely making his debut as a guest on Up in Flames on Dash Radio. But we'll be right back with you right after this. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames. Hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah. Uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. We up in, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. If you're watching live, greatly appreciated. But we are back for 2022. We are back live in full effect. And I got my guy, none other than Walker Bailey, making his Up in Flames debut. Walker, what's going on, bro? Not much, man. Not much. Just getting through it. Excited to watch Mavs Grizzlies tonight. Uh, we talked about it a little bit pre-stream. Just a couple good, uh, good matchups. I think Warriors-Bulls is tonight, too. So excited to kind of check out the league. Um, you know, regular season ball can be hard to tune into sometimes just because there's so many games. But I think tonight's going to be a pretty good one. Yeah, I definitely think tonight's some good matchups. Uh, Warriors coming off a, of, you know, a, law, a bad loss against Milwaukee, kind of be able to avenge themselves. Uh, Dallas is going to be looking to knock Memphis, you know, off of their win streak. Memphis is playing great ball. We're going to get into a lot of that, but we're going to start off first. We're going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, we have to, you know, me being an avid LeBron James fan. Uh, I am a Miami Heat fan. For those of y'all that don't know, anybody who's been tuning into the show uh, on a weekly basis knows that I love the Miami Heat, but I'm also a big-time LeBron fan. So if my Heat can't win the championship, I always root for LeBron. Uh, and the Lakers have been playing, I guess the word is under, they've been underachieving. I don't want to say terrible. They're at 500, so it's terrible for their expectations. But we knew they'd have a lot to figure out. You know, adding Russ, which was a move that a lot of people felt like might not have made the most sense. Um, Anthony Davis has been out. Obviously, LeBron was hurt, you know, in some parts of this season. He's playing absolutely amazing right now as an individual player. Um, and I think his play is even keeping them afloat. And the reason why they're at 500, which is crazy to say, I mean, he's on what a crazy streak of scoring 30 points. Like this is a normal thing for him. He's second in the league in scoring. Um, but we know the buyout market is coming up. We know the trade, you know, the trade deadline is approaching us in a month. And so we kind of want to talk about the Lakers and just, I want to really think, and I'm going to ask Walker first, but I just want to really buy into and see, are they going to be buyers uh, in the buyout market or the trade market? So Walker, Starting with you, just give me some thoughts on the Lakers and then kind of where you think where you think they can improve, if at all, because it's very tough with them being um, so cap space tight. I don't see where they can make any major moves for major improvements to go on a run in the playoffs. No, I don't either. But I mean, if they're going to do it, it's probably in the buyout market and those on like minimum contracts from guys that kind of get cut off of non contending teams and uh, they can add. And I kind of thought about this a second ago, you know, one of the things they may do is they've been playing LeBron a lot at the five and like LeBron has excelled in that role, but the team has not necessarily excelled in that role because Russ has had to have the ball so much. And with that comes turnovers. So I, you know, they may look into adding a big, like a floor spacing big, like one that pops into my mind because I'm a Spurs fan is Thad Young or something like that, where you can put him at the five and maybe go small and move LeBron back to the point and take Russ off ball. Uh, Cause then Russ, it's like, okay, we're not going to put the ball in your hand as much. You're not going to have to make – like, we're not going to put you in a position to make mistakes. And so that maybe makes them better offensively. It's just – and then we talked about adding shooting. Like, do they get a guy like – does Justin Holiday pop onto the market at Indiana or something like that? 
they don't really have the currency to make like a big trade though. Like Cam Reddish would have made a lot of sense, but uh, they would have had to part with one of their young guys, probably young guys and some second rounders or something like that. And, um, and I just don't know that that really made a ton of sense. It would have made sense for them from an on floor perspective. I just don't think it's something that they were super interested in. Yeah. And I think Cam Reddish seeing him for the price that he got traded a, fir- a protected first round pick in Kevin Knox, like you almost, we, we spent all of yesterday kind of evaluating who else could have got Cam Reddish. If that was the price on Cam Reddish, there's a lot of contending teams that could use a Cam Reddish that could have paid that price. I mean, I even looked and I'm like, would it have made sense for my Miami Heat? And we'll talk about them here in a little bit, but I, I kind of, would it have made sense? I think we could have used another young guy, a shooter. I mean, we have plenty of shooters, but I think we could have packaged one of our young guys in the depth. But like I said, we'll get into the heat here in a minute. Um, but for me with the Lakers, they have to make something. They got to do something. Like, their roster is not winning a championship. And, and exactly. Yeah. You have to try. So I don't really know. I know they have their hands and they, they're interested in Jeremy Grant. But when he comes back from injury, there's going to be a lot more people offering a lot more than what the Lakers will offer. Obviously, like, you know, we heard there was a report that they offered two second rounders for Cam Reddish. That wasn't enough, uh, clearly. So I'm just it, – it's I get so stuck in how they can improve. And you you think about is there a team that would take on Russell Westbrook's contract? So can you offload that <laughs> the team? And, and, you know, we talked about this pre-show. I don't really think that's a possibility. Um, I think yeah, they're going mean, to have to – yeah, I think they're going to have to move forward with Russell Westbrook on the roster and figure out a way to get it done. Um, and if I talk about the Lakers' struggles, like, at the end of the day, LeBron James is playing amazing. They don't have Anthony Davis. I guess you could say, like, there is some type of excuse on their poor play, but they've had games where they've played pretty well, even against the bad teams. They don't win big against teams that we feel like they should win big, but they do get the wins. They had win on a five-game win streak. LeBron's been scoring over 30 points, and typically – when LeBron's scoring over 30 points for a long stretch like he has been, that's the recipe for success for that team. This is like yeah. the first time where we've seen LeBron play the way he's played, and it doesn't result in wins. Um, so I think that's the nervous thing. That, that's what you have to be nervous about as a Lakers fan is that when LeBron is playing this well and we're not winning games, there's some deep problems there. So when I look at the buyout market, I think even some buyout candidates that looked real viable coming into the season that they won't be on their team very long – Kevin Love. Uh, I think Kevin Love will remain with the Cleveland Cavaliers. We know there was a possibility of talking about him wanting to be in Brooklyn uh, at one point. You know, LeBron, if he had an opportunity to call his guy and, and get him in L.A., I'm sure he would. But with the way the Cavaliers have been playing and the way Kevin Love has been playing, I'm not so sure that, you know, he'll leave that Cleveland Cavaliers roster. It still could make sense for him, too. But even on the Cavaliers side, like with the success they've had, does it make sense to buy him out? Does it make sense to slap that money on the table to get rid of him? He hasn't been a problem. <laughs> they've been playing really well, even with him in lineups, even uh, with some of the injuries and COVID. Uh, he stepped in and it looked like a flash of, of old Kevin Love. So I don't really think that he's going to be available. Um, Jer- Jeremy Grant is the main guy. I think he does get moved. We know the Kings <laughs> Listening to offers, they're willing to make some moves. Uh, I don't think they have a, a trade package to get a Tyrese Halliburton or Buddy Hield. Uh, I think they kind of messed up not getting Buddy Hield in the first place uh, preseason. Instead, they sent what they were going to send basically to Sacramento. They sent that over to Washington uh, for Russell Westbrook. So when we talk about moving on, if the Lakers can't make any moves, what is their ceiling? Like, what is success? Like, obviously, with a LeBron-led team, anything short of a championship or at least a finals appearance, Western conference finals appearance at the very least is probably not considered a successful season. But what is there that you see if they don't make a move that makes sense or they don't even at least, they're going to at least try, they're going to put their hands in, but if they don't make a move, then then what is the expectation for the Lakers from here moving forward? I mean, listen, I mean, it's just, it's like I tell people, you just need to get in the tournament. Like, I mean, the playoffs, it's just one big tournament. You just need to get in. And when you have, a group like LeBron and AD and Westbrook just get in the stupid thing. Like, I mean, and then find and figure it out from there. Cause when you have those types of guys, you know, they get hot for a series and all of a sudden, like, I mean, you're in the Western conference finals playing someone else and you have, you have superstars. So, I mean, like, I don't know that you can like cap a ceiling for the Lakers right now. I mean, I don't think they're very good right now, but they get better when AD comes back just because AD is AD. And then they get better because LeBron's not having to play the five anymore. That's why I said like Thad Young makes so much sense just because he can stretch the floor and do a lot of different things. And like San Antonio's not even really playing him right now. 
Like he's just kind of there, like mentoring yeah. younger people. So like that's the type of guy that comes in and does that until you know there's 20 games left and gets cut. Um, and that's probably a cheaper alternative to Kevin Love and maybe even a little bit more like in shape and still like not broken version. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think you just try to add a couple of minor pieces and then you hope that your stars can carry you in the playoffs. And, but I don't think you can put a ceiling on them because if, if the talent figures it out, then all of a sudden you just have this mixture of great talent and, and who knows what that's going to look like. Cause we had like when they've played well together, we've seen what they can look like and it's a dangerous team. So it's hard to, it's hard at this point to put a ceiling on them. It's just your concern that they're going to put them in, put themselves in a position where it's so much harder to meet their ceiling, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, it's not to kill the Lakers because we know potentially how good they could be. We know when they're on, and they get AD back, and they're playing their best. When they play their A-plus game, their A-plus game is just as good as anybody else's. The problem is we 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 really yeah. haven't seen an A-plus game. There's not a game I can really point to where I'm like, that's the team that can win a championship, and that's just a single game in the regular season. I've seen them play very well. Uh, I've seen, as of late, Malik Monk really finding his niche, and really, that's a guy I'm proud of because um, I was huge on Malik Monk coming out. Uh, the game where he really stood out to me, was uh they played if they played Kentucky the game went both teams scored over 140 minutes uh I was on the ship you know I was on duty I remember yeah. watching that game with my homeboy and he was like this is what basketball is now this is what college basketball is high scoring I mean that team you know that team out of Kentucky was amazing but um uh they they played North they played North got beat at the buzzer they got beat yeah, at the, the buzzer, buzzer. yeah yeah yeah. Down three. They're playing in Memphis at the forum because I like I'm living hour south of Memphis and Malik hit that three to tie it. And then Derek Willis, the power forward at the time for Kentucky, slipped on the way all running back. And the stretch four for UNC shot one with like his feet on the three point line and just drilled it. Like it was like it was wet. Like there was no doubt. Not like lucky roll, like it was just wet. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of those. That was one of those games where like Malik Monk was certified. He had uh, over thirty points, and that was that game where I'm like, "That's a guy." Like, and I thought the Lakers should have went after him initially. You know, out of the draft, obviously yeah. in Charlotte, he didn't really pan out. Now he's kind of coming back a little bit. You really see what he is. Um, but then being in the draft where you have Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell. Lonzo Ball is playing really well in Chicago. Like he ends up getting forgotten about De'Aaron Fox, who's like yeah. all star caliber player who's hidden up there in Sacramento that nobody watches yeah. unless they're playing. And Kentucky, a big time. and Kentucky was coming off that game where De'Aaron Fox had just torched Lonzo for 40. Like, yeah, yeah like, and like no exaggeration, I think he had 41. Like he yes. just torched Lonzo. That team was so good. Yeah, that duo was disgusting. I watched well, and, then, and Bam Adebayo was locking the paint now. <laughs> like that team was insane. And, and that's another guy. They had Bam Adebayo. So you have all these guys who have made all stars, major impacts on their team, and then you have Malik Monk, who's on a one year kind of prove it deal, or just a uh, uh, just supposed to be a piece for a team coming out of that rookie class where there's some solidified guys, and most of them have gotten paid. So he kind of goes under the radar, but I think he's starting to find himself. He's starting to find that confidence. Um, that I think he lacked in Charlotte. He just wasn't used right. So I think I think Malik Monk has been a key piece. He's coming into his own. I think he's going to be key coming down the line. But we're talking about making moves. So we're going to move none other to, than to arguably the deepest team in the NBA, and it might not even be close. When we talk about real depth, like, and we talk about guys who really have shown, you know, their place in the NBA, and maybe they only do this in Miami because Miami is that type of team where they take the undrafted guys and they make them relevant names. I mean, we go all the they, way to uh, none. Yeah, they're like San, it's almost like a San Antonio players maximize their roles to the best of their ability when they play in Miami. Yeah, and we've seen that from San Antonio for how many years? Like we've yeah, seen that. Like, I mean, they literally pulled Jonathan Simmons off the street and made him a multimillionaire because he was a freak athlete and he never did anything outside of San Antonio. Yeah, and and it does be it does be one of those situations with Miami where a lot of those guys when they leave Miami they're typically not the same player. But I think Miami has a lot of guys with high value right now, and I love their depth. But we know when it comes into the playoffs, it's not about who's the deepest team. Essentially, you run an eight to nine man rotation. Anybody outside of that rotation come playoffs, 
essentially is irrelevant unless you're blowing a team out. So you get your guys some rest heading into game two, game three, game four, game five of a series. Yeah. So that's why I look at Miami and I'm like, should they make some moves? So when you look at the Miami Heat, you look at the fact they've played as well as they've played. No Jimmy Butler, obviously no Bam out of bio for even longer. They're supposed to get both of those guys back. Uh, Jimmy Butler might play tonight, but he's still questionable. But I think they get both of them back uh, no later than Monday. Bam Adebayo is supposed to play Monday uh, against the Toronto Raptors. So when you talk about making moves and maybe there's a package that you can make for, for a player that makes your team just that much better, like that little bit better that you need, is there is there somebody you think Miami should have their eyes on, could have their eyes on, and is there a package, that, there are a couple guys that they'd be willing to give up to make that move. I mean, you just look at their roster. There's so few holes, though. And it's like when you're winning the way that Miami is winning and then you're going to bring guys back that you know already function well in your system, it, like it has to be a perfect situation because if you come in and you decide to package a few guys away and you trade for Superstar X or Superstar Y, whoever that may be, and you try to add them in and it doesn't work, then all of a sudden you've screwed up something that you already knew was working. So, like – I don't think there's a superstar you're adding. Like, I don't think you're going out. Like, I think, granted, we don't, there's not really a lot of superstar trade names out there right now. But, like, mm -hmm. you're not playing in the Ben Simmons market. You're not playing in the Miles Turner market or even the DeMontis Sabonis market or whatever else. But, I mean, like, are you playing maybe, like, in the PJ Washington market? I mean, maybe you, but I mean, then, then you ask yourself the question is that really, like, such an upgrade at a spot for the Heat that you go and you trade? guys and or picks to go make that happen and like then it's like okay i could hear either side of that argument so they have a ton of depth but do you really want to risk messing up what's working for miami but on the other hand you're kind of still chasing chicago and brooklyn right now so like you it's an arms race and if you just stand pat and someone else does something then you could get left behind so like miami is one of those teams where i think you have to pay attention to what's available but you have to be really you have to pick and choose like you have to, you have to make you have to be pretty much certain that this thing's not coming in like whoever it is is not coming in and messing up you know what you already have i mean the heat are the two seed right now and they're only two games out of the one seed and they're not healthy either so when they get healthy they're going to make a run at that and you just have to be certain you're not messing up the chemistry and the you know cohesiveness of the unit that you already have yeah, and, and I've said this name uh, earlier in the show, but I think a perfect guy, just how he plays, perfect fit, is Jeremy Grant. I think Jeremy yeah. Grant would make a lot of sense for the Miami Heat. I think that their role players have impacted enough that Detroit would be interested in a couple of them. Now, you're not giving up Tyler Hero for Jeremy Grant. I, you're not giving up Duncan Robinson um, for Jeremy Grant. Obviously, <laughs> Bam are untouchable. So is Kyle Lowry. Uh, I think P.J. Tucker has made himself untouchable as well. I mean, we didn't bring him in with any intentions of getting rid of him in a trade, but I think there's about five to six guys who, the way they play when they're on the floor together, they made themselves untouchable. And yeah. so, but you start looking at Max Strews, Gabe Vincent, uh, even Yurtsevin has played amazing for the Miami Heat, and, like, his numbers aren't going to pop out, but that's when it comes down to you have to watch basketball. Like, at yeah. the end of the day, um, if, if we, if we talk about stats, then some guys impact isn't felt. But when we, if we talk about impact, like just when you watch the game, it's just that guy being on the court, then that absolutely matters. And so, you know, uh, shout out to my guy Johnson talking about, nah, we need all that for Grant. I think with him having an injury, I don't think his value is going to be as high. I don't think it's going to take as much as it would have took pre-injury when he was in the trade rumor mill and people would love to have him. They had their eye on him. He's a good player that could get certain teams over the top. Um, but I do think like with Max Strews and Gabe Vincent, uh, Yurtsevin, who's a young guy, they, they've, they've done enough to where you'll have teams interested. When you sling that package at them, they might think about it. To me, there's not a lot based on who's available right now. And obviously over the next month, there's going to be a bunch of names available, but there's not yeah. really happy superstars or at least ones that haven't publicly claimed they're unhappy. So we're not getting a superstar. We're not in a, we're going to try and lure Bradley bill from Washington, at least not right now. Um, but he's the guy who I do look at that. If I'm trying to make a move and I want to make this team better, I'm calling Detroit and I'm trying to figure out the price for Jeremy Grant. And if I'm willing to pay it, I do it because he is a heat culture type of player. He plays I He's good on the wing. I think he'd compliment Jimmy. You have him and Jimmy Butler. 
defensively, Bam Adebayo protecting the rim, and you got Kyle Lowry on the offensive end running that offense, I think that becomes a very, very dangerous team. And like you said, when you talk about Chicago, you need somebody who can play defensively for 40 minutes, 42 minutes a night, matching up against DeRozan and Zach Levine. You talk about Brooklyn, they're going to have that three-headed monster and Kyrie, you know, Harden and KD. And even when you talk about Milwaukee, you might need a plethora of guys to be able to throw at Giannis and still be able to maintain Chris Middleton and prevent Drew Holiday from having his flashes of a game in a series because he does that. He's good for one to two really good games offensively. We know what he does on defensive end. So I think when you're talking about matching up, I think Jeremy Grant alongside Jimmy Butler, you have P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, um, Markeith Morris should be coming back, who he could be available in a trade. I don't know. I mean, it, it's been a lot ever since he got that injury. And, you know, we talked about that whole situation. You and me spent an hour talking about it, messaging back yeah. and forth. But either way, I think he could be put in a package as well. So I just look at, I think Jeremy Grant is the perfect. If you're looking at a guy, go get Jeremy Grant. If if you're not getting him, stand pat and, and keep playing. Because I think the way they play ball, I think they'll give anybody trouble this year. Miami, does Miami take a swing at John Collins? I, th- I think he's too expensive. I, I think if yes, you have, you have to remember who you're talking about here. Like you called PJ Tucker untouchable, and you called a couple other guys untouchable. If you can add John Collins, who has All Star ceiling and can do everything that Jeremy Grant can do, and maybe even be better at those things, and he's healthy, like you have to consider like okay, if it means sacrificing PJ Tucker to add a guy like John Collins on this roster, you have to consider it because he but, does everything that. Jeremy but Grant. you know, Atlanta's not the price tag from Atlanta isn't gonna be Yurt Savin, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, and PJ Tucker and a couple picks. Like that's not gonna be the price for them. Like you get John Collins, you're gonna have. I I think you call Atlanta and you're interested in John Collins. I think Tyler Hero has to be a part of the deal. And if I, you want to be honest, I, I can't do think. I think we do that a lot with disgruntled superstars, where we think these packages are gonna be so massive but a lot of times when you have disgruntled superstars that want out a lot of times we end up being just underwhelmed by the package that goes back yeah whoever that is that that is a a thing and i know atlanta's looking on improving but i just don't see us going for john collins i mean i've pat riley loves the talent he has on the team he's shown that when he didn't trade tyler hero for james harden like that even in a win now mode he wants to keep his youth and he wants to make sure if we fall short of a championship with this roster, we still have something to build on in the future. And I think his future rolls on Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and building a team around that. Tyler Hero has improved every year. He's proven me wrong since year one. Obviously, year two, he wasn't that great. Uh, a lot of factors played into it with COVID, not being able to really improve, uh, you know, really not being able to improve in the offseason. But I think he really – I think he loves – uh, I think he loves uh, Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and even Ducker Robinson. He's 27, so he's not that young. But I think that little core, he would love to even continue to build around if it doesn't work between Jimmy Butler and I mean, but if you can trade one of Robinson and Hero, and let's call it Robinson for contract purposes, and then center a package around that for John Collins. John Collins is 24 years old. We're not trading for a 29-year-old here. Like, I mean, he's 24 years old, and he's under control for the next five years. So, I mean, you're just looking at, like, you would not only be adding for now and be getting better now, but you are getting better in the future. It's just what is the price, and we don't know that. But, you know, I just think about that a lot with disgruntled superstars. If the price is lower because Atlanta is unhappy with, you know, his fit and John Collins is unhappy with his fit and, you know, Miami is looking at it from, okay, we want to be good now, but we also want to be good in three years. Well, Collins is 24 and he's on a five-year deal. It's not an insane five-year deal from a financial perspective. And I think it's something that you have to consider and you have to look at. And, I mean, we don't know what the price is, so who knows whether Miami would do it or not. But it's something you would have to think about. And I think that's my scariest thing is we don't know what the price is. So one could assume what the price would be, but we really don't know what the price is. So we could entertain it. I'm not saying I wouldn't take John Collins. But there's also a price. Pat Riley has a price, and there's certain players that if it's not for a certain player, he won't touch. He's shown that. Like I said, you know, you know, I was upset when we didn't get James Harden because we didn't want to let go of Tyler Hero. But even with James Harden kind of gassing out late in the season, being injured late in the season, playing all those minutes, like 
that's kind of what James Harden does. It's not about him fading when the moments matter. It's just about his injuries. He gets banged up, you know, with that high usage rate. He would have had a high usage rate in Miami. So the way Tyler Hero has improved and the way this team is so deep that we almost haven't missed a step of essentially, at least through the regular season, without Jimmy Butler and without Bam out of bio, I can't be upset with that trade looking back now because we wouldn't be as deep uh, and, and we probably wouldn't be as well off with Jimmy and Bam gone and we got James Harden running with the, you know, and crew. We don't even know who and crew would be, but I would entertain a John Collins, but there, there has to be some untouchables in the Miami organization with the way they're playing. I'm not saying PJ Tucker is untouchable for a John Collins, but at the same time, I think the way he fits, I think you hesitate, you're hesitant to have to trade him when he could have a major impact this year. Cause I do think Miami has a shot at reaching the NBA finals. Do they Pro no, not necessarily, but they have a shot. Like when fully healthy, they're just as good as any of these other teams. They've shown that like they have shown when healthy, they are just as good as these other teams. Now how well they match up in a seven game series. We'll have to wait and see, but they are pound for pound, possibly the best team in the NBA. When we talk about pound for pound, when you go from number one to number 15 and everything in between, nobody's as deep as Miami Heat and essentially what Golden State, San Antonio, and maybe a couple other teams are up there in the conversation with player development. But I think right now over the past couple of years, even the Miami Heat lead in that category. I think Golden State right there. We know San Antonio. You, you, gotta give, you have to give Toronto a lot of credit in that regard. Yeah. Too. Yeah, Toronto and, and Toronto's up there, but those are the couple names, and those are elite at player development. Like they turn a lot of nobodies or, or guys that you counted out into like impact players on really good teams. I mean, look at Toronto and all the young talent names yeah. that weren't necessarily hot coming out of the draft. And now I mean, Siakam got wasn't hot. Like Siakam yeah. was not a hot that was not a hot name. And then like this is a smaller name, but I know it because it's local. Like, I mean, they took Terrence Davis as an undrafted free agent. Now he's a $10 million player in Sacramento. And like when you yeah. were pulling literally trash out of the trash pile and turning it in, like, I mean, Fred Van Vliet's another one. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, just list goes on there. But I don't know. I'm not Pat Riley, but I think if you can center a trade around Duncan Robinson and PJ Tucker and like have that as your core and then a future picks and you end up with John Collins, because, you know, Hero does a lot of the same thing that Duncan Robinson does. And yeah, maybe it hurts your wing depth. But I think Collins also does everything that PJ Tucker does, and probably better. And he's younger and controllable. So that's just my thought. I don't know what the price is for Atlanta, though. Yeah, and and part of me thinks the the Heat will stand pat if there's a guy they could get in the buyout market. I think there'll be more buyers in the buyout market and get that you know aging veteran that could really help as opposed to really making a trade that that'll move the needle. I just this team is so good and so deep they don't have to. But I do look at. 12 guys deep doesn't matter in the playoffs. You play an eight to nine man rotation. Those are the guys that touch the floor night in and night out on the way to a championship. You're not worried about who the 12th man on your roster is. Once we hit the playoffs, it's all lovely in the regular season. It pans out in the regular season that Max Struess has these amazing games. Gabe Vincent has games where he step up. Omer Yurtsevin is able to play well. So it helps for being there if you absolutely need them. But when you go into the playoffs, if you're fully healthy, that kind of depth, isn't necessarily important, but that's just me. That's how I look at it. It's eight, nine, man. We all know. I mean, the way I view it is, and not just in the NBA, but in every professional sport, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, NFL, you're always trying to get better, and you are always open-minded to finding different ways to get better. That's how you maintain dominance. That's how you contend for championships. You're never satisfied with the roster that you have. So, yes, there are opportunities for Miami where maybe they end up getting better, but I think that it may not necessarily be a thing that they have to do in order to contend for a championship right away, but they're going to be open to it because that's what well-run organizations do. And Miami is that. So th of course they're going to make calls and be interested in people and there'll be rumors that are floated. So probably some that make you sweat because it'll probably be some decently large names where you think, Oh God, we may actually give up something of value if we go and make this move. But I mean, yeah. Miami's well-run. And so they're, of course they're going to look to get better. Um, and we don't really know what the move would be and what they would be willing to part with, what the prices are on other guys. But, of course, they'll look to make moves. And, uh, I mean, it may be one of those things where their depth cuts from 12 to 9, but that's fine. Like, that's not really a – I mean, we say cut or, like, it's a knock, but, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing going into the playoffs. Makes it easier to coach, too, for Spolstra. Yeah, because you don't have to try and figure out who needs to be in there when you got three or four guys mm – -hmm 
that could be in there and play that role better. You don't have to figure that out when yeah. you're not 12 deep. You don't have to put yourself in a predicament where I put my trust in him. Uh, so we'll we'll move on. I want to spend, you know, I want to make this a Miami Heat show. So we're gonna we're gonna close out with talking about the MVPs, but we're gonna move on to this section of the show. Who's more likely? I know you've been waiting for this, so we're gonna put the the one that you've really been waiting for. That'll be the last one. So I'm gonna say, who's more likely? Who's more likely to be traded? Ben Simmons or De'Aaron Fox? I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw you off. We didn't really talk about, it, but who's more? We both know. De'Aaron Fox's name pops up when people if people acquire to Sacramento. They want De'Aaron Fox. They also want Halliburton or Hield, but I think the main focal point, like, we want De'Aaron Fox. We want to come save De'Aaron Fox out of Sacramento. And then we know Ben Simmons is available, but also the price is apparently rising, which is absolutely insane that he hasn't played. And, like, the price tag that they're asking for now is even higher, which is what you can do. When a player hasn't played and you know teams are calling because they're desperate to make moves, you can raise the price because it, 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 it's that's how the market goes. That's just how life goes. It's it's a uh, consumer mind. It's supply and demand. I got the product. You want it? How much is the product worth for you? So you can do that now that you've gotten this late into the season. Teams are settling in. They're starting to see what they need. What's the missing piece? Why are we not as successful? And so anybody who thinks they want Ben Simmons, this is a two-time All-Star. This is a, a, a defensive player of the year candidate. This is one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. This is a guy who can guard at least one through four. He can, can facilitate an offense. So who do you think would be more likely to be traded this year, De'Aaron Fox or, or Ben Simmons? I'll say more. I'll say Fox just because a Sacramento is notoriously unpredictable. So I think maybe when you expect one thing, the other thing happens. And also, I think he's just more in a, a more appealing candidate to contenders, maybe at trying to add to a roster. And so I think that people are probably willing to part more, part with more for a young point guard like De'Aaron Fox versus Ben Simmons, especially not knowing what Ben Simmons's mind is like. Like you don't know what you're getting into there if you trade for him, and if the price is rising in Philly, and Philly just seems hell bent on not parting with him. So I'll say Fox just because of everything we've seen for the last almost year with Ben Simmons. Um, yeah. Like almost just because like I kind of refuse to believe that Simmons is all of a sudden randomly going to get moved here one day before the deadline. And I think Fox might like, and I, I don't think it's likely, but I mean, I think it's more likely than Simmons. Cause I mean, I put a Simmons trade at close to zero right now. So you really think I, if I'm Philly, I just don't I'm, think anybody I, is going to cave and be like, I'm okay. We could have had him for this six months ago, and now we're going to give up even more. I just think, and I think, especially in sports, there's so much ego in it. I don't think that someone is going to be okay with, I could have had him for this six months ago. Let me give up a lot more to get him now. Yeah, like, and I, I agree with that. I think Philly's, at some point, you got to look at Philly and think they're playing it stupid because this is a team where you say you're all in on maximizing Joel Embiid's prime, but like your your roster isn't getting any better. Like you're not better without Ben Simmons. <laughs> at least you're not better now than you are without Ben Simmons' replacement. I'm not saying replace him for minimal role players, but I think this whole expect expectation to get a top twenty player in return. Depending on who your top 20 is, I don't think it's realistic, but to get a top 35, 40 player and maybe some a role player in some picks in return isn't unrealistic. I mean, prior yeah. to CJ McCollum, you know, uh being hurt and having surgery or whatever, I think CJ McCollum would have been a perfect like swap for swap. Like he fixes what they need because last year, even against Atlanta, you saw. They needed a guy. They needed a guy who could go bucket for bucket with Trey Young. Like, is CJ McCollum a walk at fifty point? No, but like in a team where he's the go to score, I think he could give you twenty five to thirty on any yeah. given night. I mean, he does they that. In yeah, they could have used a true point guard too. I think that you know someone maybe that just makes them a more traditional basketball team, you know, as opposed to Simmons doing the whole point forward thing. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's why everybody laughed when I said because I I wanted Simmons on the Spurs. And everybody laughed when I said, okay, a package centered around DeJounte Murray. We all can go to hell. He's an all-star now. So, and that's the thing. Like, he's, whatever. He's averaging like 20, 10, and 10. But I said, center it around DeJounte Murray, add another young guy in it, and like two to three firsts. And like, that's that's as strong as you're going to get. Simmons gets a good situation. 
like that's a win-win for everybody. And no, nah, and people are like, no, Mur- that Murray's not a good enough player for that. Like now you're looking, it's like, okay, so who are you like, you're like, okay, you want better than that. Like for a guy who will not play for you would rather just sit out and never play basketball again than play for you again. Like, I just can't see it. And I, I've, I, I remember when you said that, I mean, you've been pitching that even, you know, in the off season, but I remember when you said that and it's not as crazy because it's realistic. You look at, you're better with DeJounte Murray on your team than you are without Ben Simmons playing. You get close to to the defensive quality of Ben Simmons with DeJounte Murray. You replace your point guard, essentially, because Simmons was running their offense. You replace your point guard. You likely add some shooting or more defense on the bench. And then you have three opportunities to use Spurs draft picks to continue to add to your roster and get better in the future. Yeah, and and – that's why I say Philly is better off getting rid of Ben Simmons because you're not a better team without him. Until you with you're a better team when you replace him than you are without him. We've seen them struggle so much throughout the season. And and then with Joel Embiid, it's like I love Joel Embiid. I think talent-wise, he's one of the five most talented players in the NBA. When I really look at everything he does, I love Joel Embiid. But the one thing I don't like is you don't know if you're gonna get his A game every night. You don't know if he's gonna play hard every night. But I think when he really feels like they have a shot at winning, and maybe that's a feeling that he hasn't had in a while, but you bring a young, ready-to-go DeJounte Murray, you bring a, a veteran guy who you know can get a bucket when you need it and see who call him. You even look at, had you called Sacramento and seen if you could possibly get, like, Halliburton and, and, and Buddy Hill. I know they want De'Aaron Fox, but, like, Halliburton and Buddy Hill, you know what I'm saying? And you give up Simmons a couple picks, Halliburton – uh, healed in some picks, and you, and you make that swap, that makes them better as well. Buddy Hield is slowly but surely starting to find himself playing less and less minutes. I've been surprised that I watched Buddy Hield score almost 30 against the Lakers, and then I watched him barely play the other night. Yeah. In the fourth quarter, he had only played eight minutes going into the fourth quarter. And I'm like, this is a guy who just scored you 30. Like, he could be better used somewhere else. So I think you got to lower your standards a little bit or else you're going to miss out and you're got, you're not going to maximize Joel Embiid's championship window and you're going to be a whole bunch of what could have been. Had we have traded Ben Simmons, what we could have been. Joel Embiid's career is going to turn out to be what could have been. You know, had when Simmons won it out, had we went and got a guy, do I feel like we could win? And so, you know, but Daryl Moore, we know he's a very expensive guy. He wants, he wants the Ferrari. You know, he doesn't want the Audi. He wants the Ferrari of things. He want, yeah, he doesn't want 19, 9, and 8. He wants 25 and something else, you know. It's like, yeah, because then, like, I said 19, 9, and 8 because that's – I just looked up, like, that's what DeJounte Murray is averaging with over two steals. He's turning it over less than two and a half times a game with uh, with the nine assists. So his assist-to-turnover ratio is over three to one. Yeah, so he's, and he's been playing good basketball. So it's like you're 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 – you're wasting Joel Embiid's prime. You said this is what yeah. you're not trying to do, and essentially that's what you're going to do. And if Ben Simmons it. is willing to never play basketball again, hey, the money he's made is still more money than anybody like you and me or make ever in our life, and we live in good life, so I know he's going to live a great life. So yeah. I'm sure he's really not concerned about it. Clearly it's not about the money or Ben Simmons would be back on the court. So to move on to the next, who's more likely? This is the one I know you wanted to touch on. I had a couple more, but we're going to focus on this one. Who's more likely to win a championship? I'm going to let you start. The Chicago Bulls or the Memphis Grizzlies? Um, so it's Chicago. Uh, I just It's Chicago. And I've got – so I got in this argument the other day is because somebody was talking to me about Memphis is the best team in the NBA right now. And I was like, all right, hold up. Francis? Let's pump, let's pump, yeah, let's pump the brakes here. So let's hold up a second. They've been really, really hot. They're really, really fun. They're really, really deep. They're in that conversation for the deepest team in the NBA with the Heat. Yeah. And it's, but I still think it's a second round exit team. Like, I think it's probably a team that runs into a team with more superstars. And Jaws, great. But, you know, that depth for Memphis is not going to overcome a 25 points per game score. With Chicago, I can look at that roster and, as much as we've talked about DeRozan, Zach Levine has almost flown under the radar for how great he's been this year. Like his numbers and DeRozan's are close to similar. And it's not that I don't think Memphis is really good. It's just when you look at the teams they're going to have to run through and then you kind of look at their roster, like who's like Memphis just kind of lacks that second guy. Like JJJ has been good. Dylan Brooks is good, but true superstars, you know, not good role players. There's a difference. 
And I think I think we do this thing a lot where we do these prisoner of the moment with hot teams. I hate the instant reaction crap. Yeah, it's the instant reaction stuff. And Memphis has won 11 straight, and Jaw's been electric, and so he did the thing to the kid in the Warriors jersey the other night. It's like everybody's super excited about Memphis because it's this new, young, just hot deal, and it just reminds me a lot of when Oklahoma City started their run. And, you know, they didn't win championships and that was whatever, but they made a lot of Western Conference finals. They had chances to win championships and everything else. It just reminds me more of that than them as a true contender this year. And like, that's not a, like, that's not an insult. If they have the run that Oklahoma City had, then they're going to have a lot of chances to win championships over the next 10 years. I just think, I think that they're still a ways away and we do a lot of this prisoner of the moment stuff. And I know that stats will tell you that, Memphis has been one of the best teams in the league for the last two to three weeks. Season's longer than two to three weeks, man. Like yeah. we can't do this thing every two to three weeks because you know Golden State's going to get hot here soon, and and they're going to be hot, and now they're going to be the best team in the NBA, and that's what the power rankings are for, and all that stuff. And um, I just think you know when you look at this team, it's it's good. They're probably going to be a top four seed in the West, and they're going to have to, and they're just going to run into somebody in the second round whether it be Phoenix or Golden State, that's just better than them. Yeah, and, and stars run the league. Stars run the league at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, Superstars yeah. win championships at the end of the day. Like, I can't think of a team where the last – a superstar didn't win a championship. I mean, now we – multiple superstars, okay, because we'll talk about the Dallas Mavericks, but you still had Dirk Nowitzki. Like, at the end of the day, you had a true superstar, one of the, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And, like, Jason Kidd was running the point on that team. Like, let's not act like they had nobody else. Yeah, that team was a lot better than people give credit for, but it's because they beat the Miami Heat Big Three, yeah. and you look like LeBron, Wade, and Bosh weren't supposed to lose that game. So, essentially, that's how you look. I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you on on Chicago, and here's my thing. Memphis reminds me a lot, and and people have been putting up the graphics because John Morant reminds people, a lot of people, of Derrick Rose when he won the MVP. But difference is all Chicago really that you had needed them to get through was the Heat Big Three. This Western Conference is a lot deeper now, and they're very similar. They're very similar to that Bulls team. Now, they're a little bit younger uh, than that Bulls team was, but they're very similar and just – the swagger they bring back, uh, basketball's back in Memphis, like Chicago, like Derrick Rose brought like basketball, that love for the game back to Chicago. So it's very similar, but I just, th- this West is very deep. I mean, we're talking about a Luka led Dallas Mavericks. We're talking about a LeBron led Los Angeles Lakers. And that's I when mean, we're, we're talking about Jamal Murray Denver. popping back on the nuggets. And then you're exactly. going to have to face them in the first round. We're talking about the, like, these are the bottom teams in the West. And this is, Luka Doncic, this is LeBron James, this is Nikola Jokic right now. Then we go to the top, and we talk about a team who we know, there's probably not a team who plays better team basketball than the Utah Jazz, just the way they play. There's no, like, as much as I love Donovan Mitchell, there's no real superstar. He has superstar potential, but and he is an all-star basketball player. He's arguably my favorite player in the league right now. Um, And I I love Donovan Mitchell. He reminds me so much of D-Wade, but... He's not a superstar yet, and I think it's just because he's in a system that doesn't call for that. You don't need him to be the guy scoring 32, 33 points a game. You just play wonderful team basketball. A guy like Jordan Clarkson flourishes. Then you talk about Phoenix. Then you talk about Golden State. Like now You're going to have to get through those teams. You're playing three of those teams. Obviously, I think the Clippers are done. Uh, Paul George, is they're, they're planning on Paul George being out for the season, which means I don't really see Kawhi making a comeback without Paul George for what? just so he could get knocked out and everybody talk about how it's been a failure up to this point uh, with those two, that tandem over there with the Clippers. And, and you know, they're about to move into their new stadium. So I think that's a big deal as well. They'll look forward to that. Maximize that one or two year window where they may have a championship opportunity yeah. between well, those two teams. But you it's just so, kind of saw that with Memphis so last deep. year. You saw with Memphis in the playoffs last year when they ran up against Utah, they had their one game where they played really well and they won. And outside of that, Utah kicks their ass. And like I'm not saying it's gonna they're gonna run that back because young teams learn and they get better and that experience makes them better and that's what leads to progression and that's what leads to championships eventually. But you know, that does you're not gonna jump from getting beat in five in the first round to going and competing for a championship in one year when you've made no significant additions to your roster. And you and haven't like, been there before because we might see right. Golden State be that team, 
but we're also seeing like their big three is back with Steph Clay and Draymond. They, they've been battling injuries and they, they're going to get Wiseman it. back eventually. Exactly. So that's a different situation for a team who was a play in tournament team and now they're, you know, a possible championship team. But that's a totally different situation than a team who they haven't been there before. They don't know what it takes, and it's okay. Like, they'll get there. I think they'll be very competitive in the West for a really long time. I think Memphis is locked up. They found their shining star in the city. I think John Moran, and he loves Memphis. He's loving the love he's getting in Memphis. He's repping Memphis almost like he's from there, even though he's from South Carolina. But, like, he loves Memphis, and they love him. And so we saw the last time somebody fell in love with Memphis, and they loved him back, Zach Randolph. I think this is – even though Mark Gasol was great, Zach Randolph was the guy in and Mike Conley and Mike connected. Conley even more than Gasol too. Conley yeah. was another huge. They connected to the city, and I think part of it is the urban culture. They got the young black athlete that's taking over the city. Uh, basketball is big in Memphis, but you know whether people believe it or not, like basketball is a big thing. And when the Grizzlies are really good and they're rolling, the city of Memphis is rolling. And I think Jaws that connection to that urban culture, bringing everything back. The rappers are loving Ja. He's hanging out in the city. Like, that's his city. Like, when he retires, he might be with Memphis for a really long time. He's one of the guys I could see for a really long time. And then, they, you know, he retires and they give him the keys to the city. Like, he's one of those guys. Same with Zach Randolph. Like, they loved Zach Randolph. He was connected to the streets. He was connected to the Memphis culture, the, the history of Memphis. Like, that, that kind of guy is, like, their savior. But I just think Chicago right now, this year is the team that I think they match up better with their conference opponents. I think they're better than most of their conference opponents. I mean, this is pretty much arguable. Arguably, I mean, I know they have the best record, but you might be able to also say this is the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. This is the yeah. team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Kyrie may or may be able to play every game. We don't know. It might cost a small fee. We'll see here in the coming weeks. But at the end of the day, like this Chicago team's play absolutely amazing. The additions they've made, they meshed from day one, which is a big thing. They didn't have to get any kinks out. They brought guys in who who meshed since day one. And that's why they're arguably, you know, one of the best teams in the NBA is because with a new roster, a new look, bringing Vucevic in late last year at the trade deadline, then bringing in DeRozan and Lonzo, you're like, man, they're going to have to figure some things out. But they just put pieces together, really good to great pieces together that fit from day one. And that's a big testament to Chicago and basically building a winning roster. So I definitely think that they're more likely to win the championship than Memphis this year because I'm my only message, talking about this year. My message to Grizzlies fans is just as a, someone who's watched young teams is don't expect too much too soon. Like, enjoy the ride. Enjoy, yeah. enjoy the growth. Enjoy the progression. Don't go from, you know, bad to expecting champion. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the progression of Ja. Like, enjoy the superstar. And then, you know, focus on little things before you focus on big things. Like And do right by Ja. Win a, like, win right a playoff by. series. Like, win a, win a playoff Steps. series. Steps. Thank you. Thank it's, you. A, it's a ladder. Like, and you don't have to go from this, we lost – in five is the eight seed last year to we're trying to win a championship this year. You don't have to do that, especially not in a city like Memphis where you are going to build your teams through the draft and then trying to keep your guys. Because and you're, not not NBA. you're not judged on the superstars. You're not judged on in year three, whether you won a championship or not. You're not. That's no. just, this and isn't the NFL where, you know, had John Morant has the, the charisma and the swag and the, in the, of a quarterback. But he's not under the same pressure in year three uh, uh, in the NBA that he would be of a year three quarterback where, like, it don't even look like you could carry us to a championship. We're moving on from you. It's not that same kind of pressure in the NBA. The superstars win, but guys don't really – essentially, superstars, unless they win one early, they don't start winning championships until they hit their prime, and that's when they go crazy. Kevin Durant didn't have a championship until he hit his prime. LeBron James didn't have a championship. Michael Jordan. Like, when we go through the greatest players of all time, outside of the few, the Showtime Lakers, when Magic Johnson came in there, they won early, but they already had Kareem. They had James Worthy. So they had guys who were championship-worthy players in their prime. But, like, you don't really start winning championships in the NBA unless you get lucky and find you, you, you get in at the right time. It's your prime is where you're judged in the NBA. You're not judged early. For John, the jumps he's made from year one to year two, year two to year three, 
it's absolutely amazing. You have to applaud it. But at the same time, like they are not, he's not going to hit for another four to five years where it starts to become a championship or bust window. Like he's not at that window yet. So when, like you said, enjoy the ride. I, and I, I'll make a weird comparison here, cross sport comparison. Like the pressure on Ja in the playoffs this year is not going to be like the pressure on Josh Allen in Buffalo, who hasn't even like hit the end of his rookie deal. And we're talking about like, oh, if he can't beat New England tomorrow night, is this like, or this is on Friday. So tomorrow night, if he can't beat them, like, is this a problem? Like, is this team going to ever do this? Like, you've got time. Like, Memphis has time. You know, you're going to, especially, <coughs> especially with Clayman drafting the way he has keep building like you don't have to do this thing where you have to jump immediately into contention and like for some people that's the path but for memphis it's not like just enjoy the ride win a playoff series and if you win a playoff series then try to win another playoff series like maybe you do maybe you don't maybe that's the goal for next year it's okay we want a playoff series let's make the conference finals this year like let's it just enjoy the ride enjoy the process don't try to heat too much and don't – and I, I know how Memphis pe- fans are and how the people are there. They're going to go to war for that city, like, and go to war for their teams. So, like, they're going to, oh, like, we want to be in that conversation now. My, I guess my message to them is you don't have to be. Like, don't feel like you have to be. Don't go to war over that. Like, if you don't win the thing that – like, if you don't win the finals this year, like, you don't win a championship, like, you're not a failure. You're just, it's the next yeah. step of the process. like, And it's a process. And it's like, it's trust the process, but this isn't the Philly process where we're going to be the process for 10 years. And then we'll figure out if the process worked or not. Like it no, is it's just a team building process. Exactly. And it's early. Like you have a bunch of guys who are still in their rookie deal. And the problem with Memphis, and I'm not going to say it's a problem, but we see this with young teams is when guys outperform where they are when they come into the NBA, they start to become too expensive. So what Memphis has to do is figure out who their core is. We know it's Ja. Is it JJJ? Is it Desmond Bain? Is it Dylan Brooks? Or do you eventually lose one or two of those guys? But you, you with young teams, you just have to figure out who your core is. And that's who you build and go into the future with. You take your superstar and that's who you go into you know, that's who you go in, in, into his prime with. And that's when we look, that's when we're in our championship window. All the greats don't win championships until they hit their prime. That's one thing that people have to understand. So before we close out, I'm going to move on to the MVP ladder. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, if you're listening here on Dash Radio on Nothing But Net channel, if you missed the rest of this show, uh, continue to listen. Check out my guy, Chris, uh, off the ball pod. He's coming on right after me. But, you know, go check it out on Apple, Spotify, Anywhere else you get your podcast, if you're watching this live and, and, you know, you're tired of tuning in to my loud voice, then, you know, just make sure you catch out this if you're interested in the MVPs. But, you know, uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in and listening. But the MVP ladder is something we always have to talk about. There's guys playing great. We want them to get their reg- recognition. So give me your top five in order. Uh, I want to in order. Who is your top five MVPs right now? And we'll kind of compare and contrast to see if, if we feel the same way. So top five in order. I'm gonna have I'm so I'm gonna throw for now. I'm gonna throw KD at one. That's also because I'm on a KD high right now, though, after he like basically was like kill me on this court, like I'll die right here. So like I'm kind of on KD high. Um he's been magnificent. I'll throw Giannis two. Um Embiid three. DeRozan four and Jokic five. Woo! Our five is our five is very different. Uh, I got KD. So I got, I'm still on Steph, bro. I'm not going to let this slump turn me away from Steph Curry. If if you want to say I'm one of the Curry lovers, I got Curry number one. Uh, what the Warriors have done, turning around. Everybody's applauding Memphis, but and I get he's on a slump and analytically, and everybody knows I hate analytics. Like, I really do. Like, I respect the stats. I do respect the stats, the, the stats that are in your face. Field goal percentage. Like the, the main stats, I don't think those are analytics in my eyes. The analytics is the ones who take the deep dive into win shares, uh, points per 48. Like when you really start diving deep to, to build up a guy or knock a guy, that's when I think you start getting analytical. Steph Curry's going through a slump. I'm saying this fresh off of getting smacked by Milwaukee, but we can't shy away from they were a playing team. They didn't win their playing game. They turn around with the same roster. No Clay Thompson. Haven't had James Wiseman for what the whole season. And 
They got Clay back just recently. They got, they're getting James Wiseman back here soon, and they're the two seed in the West. And that is on the back of Steph Curry. Analytically, this isn't one of his greatest seasons. I understand that. But he still is Steph Curry. He still has played absolutely amazing. And essentially, you he is the reason why they are currently now the two seed in the Western Conference. You can't, to me, you can't snuff at that. At two, I got Kevin Durant. Them have been my one and two all year uh, up to this point. But I got KD. I mean, efficiency. We know he, bro, KD's one of the most efficient players I've ever watched. Like, I, I know, there. I ain't going to say he's the greatest scorer, but damn, when you can score 30 points off of 15 shots consistently, bro, he's one of the most efficient scorers because we've seen some of the greatest scorers of all time scoring. It takes 25, 30 shots per game. James Harden's considered one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen, and we know he's shooting 22 to 25 shots per game. KD gets his with minimal touches. When he, he makes the, he maximizes his touches Brooklyn's the three seed in the Easter Conference right now. They haven't played with a full roster all year. I can't snuff at what he has. I got Giannis at three. Uh, I think, you know, it's crazy because he's almost playing better than his MVP season. So I'm going to put Giannis at three. I got DeRozan at four, and I got Jokic at five. So you and me agree with DeRozan and Jokic at four and five. Uh, the, the, the Chicago Bulls. I mean, you just have Curry instead of uh, Embiid. Yeah, so I got Curry instead of Embiid. I think, yeah, pretty much our order is about the same. I got Giannis at three. Um, I, uh, my only I, thing with Curry is, like, I have no problem with him being in a five. Like, I mean, he'd probably be my six. That's just, you know, if we're doing it right here, right now, because he has been slumping, I bumped him down just because of that. I got to stick with my guy, bro. Light skin's got to yeah. stay together. And if I if he starts playing really well again, then I'll just, you know, I'll bump him back up. Like, just kind of it comes and goes. Like, these superstars go through stretches, and the guys that are in the five now go through stretches where they don't play well, and other guys will step in. Um, if Memphis stays in the top three, though, and Ja maintains his pace, I wonder how how close he can get to winning it with how many games he missed early in the year. I Like, yeah. I don't know the answer, but I'm not giving you a take there. I'm just – it's I'm wondering out loud almost. I think three, four, Jaws six for me. So I think three, four, five, and six are all interchangeable too. So I'm not stand pat. I, to me, Steph and, and KD, and I even think one and two, if you got KD one and Steph two, I'm okay with that. But I think three, four, five, and six are all interchangeable. If you don't agree with my list, I'm not opposed to arguing. If you put Ja in your top five, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. He is yeah. playing absolutely amazing. Memphis is playing great basketball. And he does need to get his love and consideration for it. But just for me, that's my five. Uh, and Jokic, I mean, statistically, analytically, however you want to look at it, he's outperforming his MVP last year. It's almost like he's the forgotten MVP. No no MPJ, uh, no Jamal Murray. He does have to be in that top five. Now, you know, my guy Steven, I think he feels like he's really uh, higher. But I do have him in the top five, and I respect everything that Steven said about Jokic. You can't snuff at that and ignore that. But just for me, even still, like, if we're not going to give it if we're not going to put LeBron in our top two to three, and yes, I'm a huge LeBron fan. I got LeBron at seven. Uh, I can't get as great as he's been playing when it's not resulting in wins when you're playing that well. I just can't put you in my top five, and I love LeBron. I still think LeBron's the top three player in the NBA, but this is the MVP ladder. This isn't our our player rankings. But when you're when you're still barely you know holding water above 500, I just can't put you in my top three. Not when all these other guys are winning games consistently and Jokic's back is against the wall and he's winning games by himself. I mean, he has a good team, but nowhere near as good as it could be if he had MPJ uh, and, and Jamal Murray. So I got to give him his credit for as well as he's held Denver together. I mean, to be fair to LeBron here, and I'm just playing devil's advocate. I mean, Denver's played two less games than the Lakers and the Lakers and the Nuggets have the same number of wins. I mean, they're at best two games out of the Lakers and standings. Just, yeah. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Like, I mean, like, so if you wanted to put LeBron in your top five, I'm cool with it. But you know, of all people who can't put LeBron in his top five, I can't. Like, no, can't I can't that. put LeBron in my top five because then I get the backlash of, you're such a LeBron fan, you a LeBron lover, and this and that. So, I mean, that's pretty much my MVP ladder. So before we go, Walker, go ahead and plug uh, your social media, where they can find you, and let them know about your podcast you and Chris got going. Uh, so yeah, it's at Walker Bailey Aid on Twitter, and then One Shining Pod on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. With uh, myself and Chris Bolton, kind of hitting everything in college basketball. We should be back uh, sometime next week. Uh, talking, we're catching up Sunday. 
Uh, and then just check out the network and everything everybody's got going on over there. It's, uh, I think, off the ball network.substack.com now. So check out the Substack and just everything from golf to soccer. I think Kenneth wrote up something about Alfonso Davies. Uh, so just check out everything that we got going, got out going on uh, over there and uh, see you Sunday tomorrow for at the network as well. So tune in, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I think I got it all there. Yeah, make sure you subscribe to offtheballnetwork.substack.com. Also, subscribe subscribe to upinflamespod.substack.com uh, to check out everything I got going on. Um, you know, follow me at mo underscore cheese15 on Twitter, Instagram. Um, check out the new show we just launched. So, subscribe to draftcapitalnfl.substack.com. Uh, we just la- launched it. We're covering it at, the, at right now, once a week, every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Myself and Stu, uh, we just had our guy Thad on. We're going to be bringing Walker on next, uh, this coming Thursday. Um, we got Alec Elijah on. We're going to be talking about some of his rankings that he's dropped. He's big into the draft over there at Sports Talk 2319. So, shout out to Rashad Phillips as well. Uh, but, you know, we're going to be going crazy with the NFL draft coming up. Uh, obviously here I'm back. I'm going to be doing my weekly basketball show here on nothing but net channel on dash radio. So make sure you, you know, you download dash radio favorite, the nothing but net app and make sure of all days, tune in at the very least on Monday. It's off the ball. Mondays. You get to hear breaking the game with Steven and Kenneth. You get to hear off the ball podcast with my guy, Chris, you hear me. Uh, obviously if you're listening here, you hear me up at flames. Uh, you hear the hoopers. You got my guy shooter shoot. My guy, Kenneth, over there, you hear the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast. And even on Wednesdays, you got Draft Capital, my guy, uh, Draft Capital NBA, with my guy, Steven and Chris. You got my guy, Cole, on nothing but airtime. And then on Saturdays, you also have Draft Capital NBA, putting out a lot of great content. We're getting a lot of respect in the draft world, NFL and NBA. Uh, big things are coming. So make sure you subscribe to offtheballnetwork.substack.com. I appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. And on that note, Up in Flames is out.